Welcome to the Reclaim Podcast. I'm Paula. And I'm Carrie. And we are going to pick up where we left off with Miss April. This is part two of our interview with April. Hi, April. Hey, guys. Glad to be back. All right. Okay, so we want to pick up where we left off. Last session, we were talking about um, your life as a child and then through high school, and you amazed us with your amazing academic performance in spite of everything you went through as a child. So now we want to transition to life after high school, okay? So tell us a little bit about what life looked like after high school. Well, you know, Harvard hasn't called yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but after high school was just kind of a, a big, long mess. You know, I, I was trying to go to college for a little while, but, you know, I graduated early, so I was underage. Um, if you have a mom like mine, she wasn't about to sign papers for you to leave and go to college. Um, I couldn't really get financial aid and stuff like that. So I ended up paying for like a semester and um, I just really couldn't make it work. You know, I was still tied up with this dude um, who, you know, it's always weird to say like pimp and trafficker. Like he was just your dude, like that you need, you know, you, you work for this dude. Um, but, you know, I was still just tangled up in like trafficking and like prostitution, you know, and, and I don't know. So, um, you so know, was this dude, was he like your boyfriend or how, how did the, he was all of our boyfriends, right? Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know, no, like he, he was the one that called the shots. He was the one that told you what you do, needed to do, where you needed to be, what you needed to dress, you know, like he was the one, um, that just, you know, you'd say take care of us, but he didn't really do a great job of that. So, um, but, you know, I was just really still tied up with all that and thought that, that all of my um, identity was wrapped up in being like his girl, you know? Okay. And, um, you know, I was running drugs a little bit and um, like just, you know, being trafficked. Um, back then I didn't realize that that's what it was, you know, like, but, um, now I can recognize that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Was there anything glamorous about it? You know, sometimes there was, you know, you got to drive, um, he drove a Cadillac Escalade mm -hmm. and, you know, I got to be bottom bitch for a while and that was all great. But, um, I, I like to drive his car, you know, it made me feel important and special and, you know, we had money to do things and. You know, that time of my life was really um, recruiting other people for him, you know. And so it was all the flashy stuff, you know, the good handbags and the nice cars and the, you know, telling these girls that, like, their life could be awesome too. And, um, you know, you don't ever look back at it until you're, you know, past it. They say hindsight's twenty twenty though I really hope we don't have to look back at this 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but I wish I could have warned those girls what they were going to get into. But I was so brainwashed into thinking that, like, I really had it good. Can you tell us what does bottom bitch mean? So bottom bitch is really, like, his top girl. Like, you know, he didn't have to keep people in line. That was my job, you know. Even I, though it was called bottom. Yeah. Okay. Bottom means you're on the top. Okay. You're the foundation. 
No. Um, but I don't know. With it came some kind of sense of power that you didn't have in your own life. Mm-hmm. And so you got to make sure that, you know, this power was exerted over all these girls under you. You know, but the thing is, if those girls screwed up, so did I, you know, and if, um, like, things were going bad with them, like, it was my ass, too. Um, And so, but, you know, really, it was my job to tell them how great it was going to be or to keep them in line or, you know, I remember um, this girl came talking some smack and I just backhanded her like I had any kind of permission to do that, you know. But that's what he did to me. And so I thought, girl, you're out of line, you know. And um, I don't know. Like, I just, that made me feel good. And, like, I feel terrible for saying that. But it was like I had control over something in my life. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. I I feel like it's control. Like, everyone wants control of their own life. And you've had no control of your life, like, at all. Ever. Ever. (laughs) Right? Like, whether your mom or, you know, being sold and... Um, drugs, like you've always had some kind of tether. You've always had somebody controlling everything you did or not letting you do. And so, um, you know, I, I think that's exactly probably very common. And then when you've been in the situation, you've kind of almost worked up a level of loyalty with the pimp, right? You've been there. And so you're working your way up to maybe even, would you even consider it a little bit of a safety net to be, in in that position rather than really really at the bottom yeah for (laughs) sure you know and there there is that um like weird sense of safety like he needs me you know like and um I would almost say like this false sense of purpose you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like he he respects me now right which is not what it was but that's how I definitely felt but I think you, you're giving so much insight into how brainwashed this cycle of abuse is. I mean, that's exactly what it is. So when you first started dealing with him, what was your level then? And then how long did it take you to get from the real bottom to the top bottom? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to say I was good at what I did. Okay. So <laughs> that sounds really slutty. Um, but... No, I would say I was with him for like a year. Um, When I came in, I was off the streets. You know, I didn't have any place to go. He was like my third dude. And, um, you know, after I left home with my mom and stuff. And I did not get treated well. You know, like no nobody really got treated well. But, um, I mean, there were, there were times that he would, you know, I don't know, be super kind and spit in your face all in the same sentence, you know, just because he wanted you to make, like, make sure you knew, like, what trash you were, you know, but then he would, like, slowly build you up into believing you were something so he could tear you down again and make you fit right where he needed you to be. Wow. Okay. So, now tell us a little bit about... Um, how drugs played a part into what you were doing? You know, I know I said this on my last session, but, um, you know, drugs really gave me a way to survive. You know, um, 
drugs made me feel like I was superwoman and I could do whatever and, that I needed to do to survive, you know? Um, it took away all the second guessing yourself and like all the emotion behind everything. And it really just gave you fuel, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like I needed drugs to like wake up in the morning, you know, to get my day started. Like I didn't even brush my teeth without, <laughs> you know, banging dope first. Um, you know, and there was so much drug abuse, you know, in my story and in like my life back then that, um, sometimes even now that I'm sober, like, it's like, I almost don't know who I am. Right. Because without, without like your validation from, you know, your pimp or, um, like the dudes you're working for, like without that validation and without like numbing it all out, you're like, wait, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the numbing, I know you've talked about that before is that's just not to feel right. Like that's how you survived and that's how you survive that kind of constant abuse and exploitation is to, to numb it out. And that's, and now that you are been clean for how long? <laughs> Over a year now. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Oh, yes. The applause. We need the applause. Um, you know, since it's been over a year now and now you now you're really having to feel things you never felt before. And I, I think that's important things for people to realize what drugs do, does and how hard it is to be clean because it numbed so much for so long and now you're actually having to feel all of those things that maybe you just got to, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, when I was doing drugs and stuff, like I was able to push that stuff down. There was stuff that you didn't have to deal with. You could, you know, get high and say, I'm going to deal with that tomorrow and never, tomorrow never comes, right? You like just don't really have to um, deal with it or think it's important. Or maybe if you do feel it, you um, have this sense of like, you know, your ego kind of gets in the way and you're like, oh, well, you know, like I'm, I'm still whatever. Um, but yeah, being, being sober, you know, I, I don't know, I still have a lot of, um, like PTSD and like flashbacks and stuff like that. And so, you know, I can be sober and like having a fantastic day driving down the road and like a memory from back then will hit me and I'll immediately want to numb it out. And you have to like get past that because, um, like I can't, that, that's not the life I live anymore, you know, because for me, those, those two lives run together so much. I know if I was like back on dope again, um, I would also be back in that world. Um, and I just don't think that they could be separate from me because, you know, um, a lot of times like trafficking fueled my, like, drug habit you know like you know I got paid um to sleep with men and like do all this stuff and then I got drugs for it or you know it would make me sick if I you know didn't do what they asked me to do stuff like that and so they just ran so much together so you said something and and it I thought about something your trafficking fueled your drug habit and then your drug habit fueled your trafficking yeah for sure it's that cycle yeah it's that cycle so Um, what are some of the biggest challenges you have faced since you've been trying to live sober or since you've been living sober? What are some of the biggest challenges you've faced? Um, I would say like definitely not wanting to feel, 
you know, and where I thought back then you could just push all those memories down and not deal with them and stuff. The thing is, man, they come back up and they come hard. Um, and, you know, you, you really thought that they just go away, but they didn't. They just, you know, they just got pushed down. Um, they're still there and you still have to deal with them. And I ran from so many things in my life. And, like, when you stop running, it catches up, you know. Um, so you do a lot of you, you do a lot of things every week. Like you have a lot of different accountabilities in order to um, be clean. And there's a lot of work that goes into this on a daily basis for you. And I know that. But do you mind just sharing like at what level, you know, the day-to-day takes to stay clean? and Yeah, for sure. So I work a 12-step recovery program and – you know, it, it, it talks about in there how, um, you know, our our purpose is to, f- you know, fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us, right? So that requires me to be of service. Um, and so I do continuously, like, try to make myself available to other women who have been through, um, you know, addiction. And, like, sometimes their stories overlap with mine, and that's really cool. Um because there's these promises that come with this this uh, recovery program. And, um, you know, one of them is um, you won't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. And where I hated my story, you know, being able to help other women has, like, given me such a purpose. And, and I wouldn't be where I am today if um, – there wasn't a woman who had gone through recovery in this program before that like led me through it. You know, like if, if her willingness wasn't there, then like I'd probably be dead on the street, you know, but um, she's been such like a blessing and encouragement to me. And, you know, I didn't have to pay for that. There wasn't like, you know, dues for membership and stuff like that. There was like this, this principle that like, if I, um, take take this program, right? Like the only way you keep it is by giving it away. Um, and so that's been, you know, really cool to learn. But yeah, I mean, I do, you know, meetings and I meet with sponsees and a sponsor and, you know, I get to work, um, you know, in a recovery place. And it's, it's just an amazing um, way to continue to live um, a life of recovery with having like accountability, um, because without accountability, like I'm going to do my own thing and I don't really care what you think about it, you know, but with accountability, like if I have to, to, to tell somebody the steps I'm taking every day to stay sober, then, um, I'm more likely to be taking those steps, you know, and, and I work with other women. And so it's, um, it'd be really hard for me to tell them, Hey, you should do this, this, and this, if I'm not doing those things myself. So I want to ask a question, um, if you can think back. How hard is it to convince a young lady who is in the life to leave? Dude, that's super hard because, you know, um, number one, like you don't trust anyone. You don't You don't think anybody has your best interest at heart. You um, – I don't know what it's called, but you probably trust your trafficker more than you do stranger – um, I know I did, you know, because um, I knew that there was probably worse out there than than what they were doing, you know. 
and it was pretty bad. Um, and then like, you can't just tell me to leave the life without having some kind of plan for me to get out. Right. Like I'm going to need to know where I'm going to stay. Where am I going to work? How am I going to make this money? Because if I can make, you know, a couple grand in a night, like why am I going to go work at McDonald's for eight twenty five? you know? And so there's just so many like different elements um, that go into it. And then there's always the question of like, well, what do you want in return? You know, because our whole lives are a transaction. Our whole lives are um, like this for this quid pro quo. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, and so like, if you help me, what do I owe you? And so um, it's incredibly difficult to, you know, tell girls that there's a way out and like, Hey, come with me. You know, that's unlikely to work. Um, but there's something about, um, kind of like in recovery, you know, if, if you've been there, you can kind of lead them out of the trenches, right? But like, I don't know. I'm always hopeful, like as a survivor myself, that like I could see a girl and she could see hope. So what drew you out? So my story is a little different. Um, you know, like I didn't run away or escape. Like I, um, I got left for dead in a ditch. You know, um, I became too much of a liability. You know, I'd gone to rehab several times and I had, um, ended up like ODing back to back to back. And, you know, like I was just such a mess and, um, I OD'd and they thought I was dead and they left me in a ditch. And, um, when I was in the hospital, some lady was like, you'd have a better life. And I'm like, no, I can't, you know? And so, um, I actually went back and I was like, yo, like I'm still alive, you know? And he was like, no, he was like, I'm not doing that. He was like, you need to get some help. And I'm like, man, like how bad off are you when you're like dope dealer and trafficker? Like, no, you should probably get some help, you know? Um, but, but that's how my story you know, kind of, kind of ended there, but, um, but that was really the only life I knew. Right. And so then I just kind of turned all over into like just prostitution in general. Um, you know, and I worked for myself and I thought that that was like the best life for me. Um, but reality was, I was still just as broken and empty as I ever was. And so when you decided to get clean, and you were really ready to do that and did the, just this, this last time, right, over the last year. Um, what was different? Because you said you've been through recovery so many times, but what was different this last time for you? You know, I really think um, that I was so scared of losing the only thing I knew. You know, I, I know that sounds really weird or whatever, but... Um, I was, I was so scared that like the dope dealer would be like, no, you're trying to get sober. I'm not going to sell to you. Or like the liquor store would be like, no, you're a member of a 12 step program. You know, I'm not giving you alcohol, whatever. Like I just delusionally thought I could never go back, that I was so scared to go some other direction. And so, um, you know, I mentioned, I have like an incredible sponsor and she was like, you know, like what if it works? Like, what if it doesn't, you know? And she was like, you know, if it doesn't work, you can go back to banging dope and prostituting and, like, 
you know, your life will probably be a short one and like whatever. She was like, but what if you just tried to do something different? And the thing for me was um, I really just, I knew that um, I couldn't live with drugs and alcohol and I couldn't live without it, you know. And I had tried to die so many times. You know, I'd, I'd OD'd. I had um, tried to commit suicide, like all these different things. And I couldn't die, you know. And so I'm like, well, as well give this crap a shot, you know. But um, I really started, like, working that 12-step program um, kind of to prove her wrong, you know. I'm like, Psh, you're going to see this does not work for me. You know, there's no freedom. And... Um, she was like, just give it everything you've got. And if it doesn't work, then hey, it didn't work. You give it your best shot, you know. And uh, I did. Like, I gave it everything I got, you know. Like, I, I gave recovery everything that I had that I used to, like, give getting high everything I had. And something just clicked. Like, I had, um, I just, I don't know, they call it a spiritual experience. But, you know, just a, I don't know. It was like my eyes were open to a whole new way of life, and I didn't have to live the way I'd always lived. Well, April, there's a reason why you didn't die all of those times, despite your efforts. There's a reason, and you you said you just hoped you can someone another woman could see you and see hope, and I don't think you realize how many people already see hope when they hear your story, when they talk to you, when they get to know you. And it's, it's really, it's, you are hope. You really are. Um, so I feel like you should know that. Um, you're already doing that. And, um, and I know anybody who's listening to this story would, um, is touched by um, where you are today and how much work you've put into this. And um, I mean, I don't know, Paula, what, I, I know we probably have to wrap it up soon. You're our wrapper-upper. But um I'm wondering if there was anybody right now that was listening that is so high on drugs, try to commit suicide so many times, um, maybe they even have a plan right now, like, what would you say to them? Maybe there's not one thing. Yeah, there's so (laughs) many things I would want to say to them, right? But it's just kind of like, man, you're, like, built for so much more. You know, you, you have... You have purpose and, like, um, you know, just that promise, like, you won't regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it, you know? Like, someday this is going to be your biggest asset is your story. Mm. That's awesome. I love that. Your mess will become your message. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like that, too. It's not original. It's so not original. <laughs> I think I it's all I've over Facebook. I've never heard that one. <laughs> Could I need to look at Facebook more? Well, April, we thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for being open and honest and being very transparent. And I do believe that your story will help so many. You will see your purpose fulfilled. You will understand. If you don't understand it clearly now, you will understand why he left you for dead and why you couldn't kill yourself because there's a bigger plan. There's more people for you to reach. So I am Paula. And I'm Carrie. 
And I'm April. And we thank you for joining our Reclaim podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at support at reclaim611.org. Or you can visit our website at www.reclaim611.org. And until next week, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.